Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 290 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for being here with me today. If you have not already, head over to my poker training site, pokercoaching.com. There we have lots of free information and also lots of incredibly high-level information from the poker players who teach me how to succeed at the high-stakes game. So head over there and check that out. Today we have a hand from a 1025 No Limit game. Although in this hand, there is a $50 straddle. This is from Best Bet in Jacksonville. And it folds around to under the gun plus one. And Shane, with $43,000 in front of him, playing 1025, now with 50 straddle, raises to 125 bucks with pocket jacks, which, I'm sorry, with ace jack, which is perfectly fine. George, who has $36,000 in front of him, pretty deep stacked game, huh? He has pocket jacks and elects to three bet to $425, which I think is perfectly fine and perfectly viable. Now, when you are in position with deep stacks, overly deep stacks, I mean, here we're talking like 700 big blind effective deep, counting the straddle, right? In that scenario, you want to be building pots in position because you're just going to win way more than your fair share of pots from in position. So build pots when you're in position and keep them as small as you possibly can from out of position. And I've discussed this a time or two before, but like Shane with uh, this $43,000 stack with George, a loose aggressive player on his left, probably wants to change seats as soon as he can. I realize that a lot of people just don't get up and change seats or jockey for position. And to be fair, you really shouldn't do that a decent amount because it makes it clear that you are, um, you know, trying a little bit hard. And if you try harder than most people, maybe you don't get invited to private games or maybe people stop playing with you or whatever, right? You want to make sure you keep the game fun and casual. However, this is a really, really bad seat for Shane. And when you're in a really, really bad seat, well, you need to change your situation. That said, sometimes stacks just line up like this and um, here we are. So if I was in this scenario with Ace Jack, I would still go ahead and raise, but Realize it's not a great scenario for Shane to be in just in general because he's usually going to be out of position against the other super deep stack. So anyway, Shane raises to 125. George makes it 425 with pocket jacks, which is great. Folds around to Brian S. on the button slash straddle with 10-9 offsuit. He only has $1,000 in front of him, and he likes to call. I think this is not a very good call. 10-9 offsuit is terrible when there's a raise in a three bet. You're going to be against a lot of big cards and a lot of pairs and big pairs for the most part. So how does 10-9 do against big cards and big pairs? Well, not very good, right? So 10-9 definitely needs to fold. Back around to Shane, and this is a scenario where if they were shallower stacked, Shane could actually put in the 4-bet bluff. I think that would be perfectly fine with ace-jack offsuit. Um, it's a little bit weird that uh, Brian just called off half his stack preflop because he only had 20 big blinds effective. So uh, maybe you don't necessarily want to get it all in against him, but if, especially if this was a heads-up pot, I think this is ace-jack offsuit's an okay hand to 4-bet with the intention of folding if you get 5-bet. That said, with these very, very, very deep stacks, it's probably better just to call and pray you don't make one pair. Because when you make one pair and lots of money goes in the pot, you are very unhappy. Like in this instance, say it comes jack 4-2, well, Shane's going to be on the hook for a load of money because George will have a set, Shane will have top pair, top kicker, and he's going to get demolished. Obviously, that doesn't happen all that often, but it will every once in a while. All right, flop comes king, 10, 6. They check around to Brian, which I think is fine. Um, on king, 10, 6, change should definitely check. George could consider betting frequently using a relatively medium size here. 
Um, notice that any amount he bets against Brian, he's just in because Brian only has $575 and the pot's $1,300, so he's obviously not folding. So I think it's probably fine to make a bet, but checking's also fine. So he does check, and then Brian goes all in with his middle pair. He has 10-9 on king-9-6, which is certainly acceptable for a half-pot bet. Shane now calls with ace-jack. And you may say, why call with just ace-high here? Well, this is ace-high with a gut shot, right, to the nuts. There are two spades on the board. Shane has no spades, which is a bit of a bummer. But this is a situation where it is probably just fine to call because if Brian does not have a king already, ace-jack's in okay shape. Um, like in this scenario, if he, if he is to get this pot heads up, he has... Three aces, four queens, and three tens, giving him, what, 10 outs total? 10 outs is, you know, a solid, solid chunk of equity. So I definitely don't mind the call. And now it gets around to George with pocket jacks. And I don't think you can fold. You certainly don't love this scenario. But calling for $550 more into a $2,400 pot is perfectly fine with pocket jacks. He does have the backdoor spade draw, which counts for a little something. Um, so I think folding's out of the question. The question is, do you raise? And I don't think you need to raise because while you can make Shane fold out some hands with equity, like, well, ace-jack or ace-queen type hands, um, if he does have a king, he's just not going to fold and you're just putting in, putting in money very poorly when he does have a king. So in this instance, I think you're best off just to call. That said, George does raise. And if you've watched George play at all, you know he really enjoys raising. So he makes it $2,000 which actually works out great against Shane's exact hand, right? Because Shane is drawing relatively thin here and uh, you don't really mind making him fold. So this is great if you know your opponent does not specifically have a king. And it's also great if you know your opponent's not just going to blast you uh, with a re-raise, right? Because it would be really, really bad for pocket jacks here to bet or to raise to 2,000 and then get re-raised to like 7,000, right? Because now we're actually talking about getting stacks in for... $34,000 total by the river. And that's really not where you want to be. And this really does show the power of uh, power poker, as Doyle Brunson calls it, right? Just re-raise and apply the apply aggression with your semi-bluffs. And it puts your opponents in miserable scenarios. And they really need a really good hand to stick around. Like imagine George has ace-king here, right? And Shane makes it $7,000. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible spot. And realize that ace-king like one of the best hands that George could potentially have. So if you can make your opponent very unhappy with the vast majority of their range, that's incredibly strong. Um, that said, this ace-jack offsuits a hand I would just fold. I, I think that uh, if you had a backdoor draw, sure. Like say you had ace-queen of spades, ace-jack of spades. If you had queen-jack of spades, jack-nine of spades, queen-nine of spades. Did I say that already? I think I did. Basically, if you had a, um, a good draw, I, I would actually think it'd be pretty sweet to re-raise. Obviously, the hands like Ace Queen of Spades are way better than Jack Nine of Spades because Jack Nine of Spades is going to be dominated sometimes by a better flush draw. But uh, with this hand, no back, no um, no flush draw at all, no backdoor flush draw either. I would just fold. You may say, "Well, he's getting pretty good implied odds. If he gets a queen, he can expect to get paid off." Because whenever George does raise, you have to presume he's going to have a whole lot of um, like good hands, right? Like King X and sets. So. Certainly, Shane does have some implied odds, but the problem is, is that sometimes a spade's going to come, and that's just terrible. It just makes it to where you don't get to play a big pot at all. And um, even if you do get a queen, if, if you're against a hand like ace-king or king-jack, 
those hands are going to realize that a queen is really bad for them and they're going to have a hard time paying you. So I think this is a spot where you just have to get out of the way. It is worth mentioning, there is a. this is now creating a side pot. Uh, whenever you are playing with a side pot, you're going to find that, in general, players bluff way less often. And um, it's not necessarily ideal. You may think, oh, well, don't you want to bust the player who shallow stacked? And uh, no, you don't care. We're not playing a tournament where busting someone is relevant. And even in most tournaments, it's actually not relevant, right? Because... If, if there's like a thousand people in the tournament and you bust someone, who cares? It just doesn't matter. It matters sometimes whenever you're at a final table or in a payout bubble, but those instances are actually quite rare. So the idea of I want to bust someone doesn't really matter. What matters is how do I maximize my equity in this pot? So um, now there is a... Uh, Shane does elect to call. Now there is a side pot. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much it is. Probably $3,000 out of the $6,000 pot. Turns of five of clubs. Shane checks, and now I think George should probably just check behind with his pocket jacks. Once he raises the flop and gets called, he's going to be against a lot of kings, good draws, etc. Now, he actually could make a bet on the turn. I don't think that would be terrible, because there are a lot of draws you want to get to fold. But again, whenever you bet with the jacks here, you risk getting raised. Also, George does have the jack of spades in his hand, which blocks a lot of the obvious draws. I already mentioned them, right? Ace, jack of spades, queen, jack of spades, etc. So... You're more likely to be against a made hand in this scenario. So since you're more likely to be against a made hand, that's going to be a king, which you're in bad shape against, and you don't want to put more money in, or a 10, which will very likely fold if you continue betting. So I like the check in this scenario, and it does go check, check. River is a two of clubs. So now Shane is out of position with the ace high. He's probably not winning this hand and for the side pot. I'm sorry, for the main pot, but he can conceivably bluff and get George to fold out his non-king hands. You have to presume George is going to keep betting the turn with his good kings on a five turn, which is pretty much a blank. So if you think George is going to keep betting the turn with his kings, that mean he means he probably doesn't have a king. He probably has more like a 10 or some sort of draw. Now, Shane's in an interesting spot where if he had something like jack nine of spades, he should definitely bluff because he can get some ace highs to fold and some queen highs to fold, right? But with ace jack, I don't think he actually needs to bluff. And that's because he does win the side pot some portion of the time when it goes check, check. Um, so that's nice. The fact that you beat some draws is a good reason to check. However, if you do think you can get George off of a 10 or perhaps even a king with a bet, I actually don't mind it. And in this scenario, you have to realize you're not trying to win the whole pot because you probably lose to the short stack Brian who's probably have some sort of pair and he's going to win the side pot. So you're really only fighting here for a $3,000 pot. So you have to ask, if I bet something like 3000 on the river, am I going to win the side pot 50% of the time, which is how often you need to succeed to break even, which is your bet divided by the bet plus the pot. Here the pot's not actually 5800 It is about 3000 because that's all he can potentially win here. So in uh, side pots, the math gets a little bit convoluted. You have to make sure you actually know what you are fighting for. And... Like some people look at the spot and think, okay, if I pot it, I need to win the pot 50% of the time, right? So if I bet 5,800, I need to win it 50% of the time. But that's not true because whenever you pot it here, uh, you actually only win the 3,000 side pot, not the whole pot, which means now you're betting actually two times the pot you can potentially win, uh, which, which changes the math significantly, right? Then it'd be two divided by uh, two plus one, which is... Uh, 67%. So now you need to pick it up 67% of the time instead of 50% of the time, and that's a substantial difference. 
So anyway, with a stack here, I think I would not bet. I also don't think a, a 10 would actually fold from uh, George. George is pretty loose, pretty active. And against someone like that, it's pretty hard to bluff. And uh, the way you beat players who are a little too loose and too splashy is to just value bet thin, as opposed to bluffing frequently. So in this scenario, let's see what Shane does. Shane checks. George has an easy check behind as well. He does check behind. And George is going to win this pretty substantial pot with an underpair. Nice hand. <laughs> That's going to be it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Good luck in your games. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next time.